Hey everybody, welcome back for Phil Spaulding's bonus episode. So what this is, we've done this once before, Phil has worked with so many people that I wanted to ask him specifically about some of the collaborations that mean the most to me. I'll tell you right now, I bypassed some of the bigger legends like Elton John and Mick Jagger to ask him about some of the, I don't know, the less obvious things, the more obscure things that really mean a lot to me. I think he appreciated that. It almost seemed to open him up a lot more. You'll see from the conversation. I specifically asked him about Talk Talk, Seal, Terrence Trent Darby, Jai, When in Rome, OMD, Heaven 17, Suggs from Madness, and then that brought on other recollections that he had of bands like Dubstar and Flesh for Lulu. It just went on and on and on. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation. It also sparks a lot of drug memories for him. He's been in recovery for a long time and recovery and a devotion to clean living and whatnot is a very big focus for him. So it's funny to hear him recollect these stories, but know where he is now in his life, which is completely on the other end. Anyway, great guy. Hope you enjoy the conversation. So here's the deal. So I just want to rapid fire, throw some names out at you on things that you've done that I especially yeah. like. So yeah, first cool. of all, I want to know about Talk Talk because they are one of uh, my all-time favorite bands. And yeah, you yeah. mentioned they're on your website. You got that great story yeah. there, but it's yeah, not. Yeah. I don't think you're even on the liner notes or anything. So tell me about. No, Talk I'm Talk. not. No, no, no. I couldn't be on the liner notes because the guys asked me to come and play some fretted bass. And Paul, who was at the time a friend of mine, Paul Webb, uh, he didn't really do fretted bass, which people say, God, that's a bit weird, isn't it? I say, well, it, well, it isn't really, because uh-huh. he kind of created, he created his own style on the on the fretless bass, and it was very, very effective, and it was part of the Talk Talk sound. Right. So they they needed me to come in and do fretted bass on the understanding that I wouldn't be credited. And well, again, you know. Uh, you can see from the story, I went in there foolishly agreeing to do it the day after Mike Oldfield played at Wembley when I was up all night. I was put through one of the most rigorous and painful sessions I can never remember because wow. Tim Freese Green, the producer, uh, he was one of these producers that kind of couldn't really kind of relay to you what he wanted and I don't mm. really think he knew what he wanted until he maybe heard it if that makes sense you know yeah sure so yeah. to me to me I was just playing the same thing all day and it was driving me insane <laughs> yeah yeah I bet so, now was that I mean Talk Talk morphed into something completely different from where they began and yeah. I I assume that's probably why Tim and Mark Hollis were perfect companions at this point because yeah. I'm guessing they both are starting, you know, their brains are sort of expanding into this different sound and they're not quite sure what they yeah, yeah. want or what they're even doing yet, but they know they're chasing something. You were still catching them early on when they were pretty much still making pop music, but eventually yeah, yeah. it just turned into some like freeform jazz type stuff. Yeah, I, I think really that Mark, and that is my, my, my only my perception but I think that Mark wanted, wanted to be taken or considered himself a much more serious artist than a throwaway pop act. Mm, and I yeah. think, I think you, can, you can hear that in the passion of his voice. Yeah. And you can hear that in his, in his lyrics. You know, even the most simple of his lyrics are very 
very emotional. They're very, very deep, you know? Even on the sessions, he wouldn't say much. He would sit back in the shadows. He was just one of those guys who's, and I don't say this glibly, who's probably got more of a frown on his face most of the time than a smile. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if he did yeah, smile, I, I, never, I, never, I never saw him do it, you know? But nonetheless, a great artist, and for me, that's a really good notch on my yeah. bedpost. I love him, and I love them, and I wish he would come back and do something. I, he's probably, yeah. like, top of my list of people that I want to talk to because I'm just so curious <laughs> where he went and why. And so, yeah. Okay. Now, Seal, you mentioned Seal. Um, yeah. That first Seal album is in my top, I don't know, 20, 30 favorite albums of all time. Did you just play on Killer, or did you play on the whole thing? No, you mean the very first one with Crazy and all that stuff? Yes. Right? Okay, no, no, I, I only played on the re-recorded version of Killer that we did as a as a, as a backup for Hey Joe. I didn't play oh, on the... Oh, really? Okay, yeah, there, there's a... Have you, you know there's a single out there with Hey Joe on it? I do, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, there's Hey Joe, there's Killer... And there's Whirlpool done as a band. That was the, one of the oh, best recordings I've ever been on. Oh, man, Whirlpool with the band, uh, with Ian Thomas playing a drum, me and Ian. Uh-huh. Oh, man, that is just... Because it's live. We, Trevor yes. Hall set us up live, and we played it live. There are no overdubs there. I think there may be some backing vocal overdubs, but there are backing vocal overdubs on Hey Joe. But okay. all the rest of the recordings are strictly live. They are as we wow. played them. We're recorded live, and they, they they did a great job. They yeah, they're great recordings, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't play on the first album, but I played on the second. Okay. Oh, you did. So you're on Kiss from a Rose, and yeah, there's bits of me on Kiss from a Rose. I'm on Don't Cry. Um, okay. I've riff on Prayer for Prayer for the Dying. Um, sometimes Prayer for the Dying I played and then they reproduced my part on a synthetic bass they would often do that you never know with Trevor he's always got like 60 versions of each song yes so Trevor (laughs) Horn is one of my favorite producers of all time and I've been lucky enough to talk to some people for the podcast who have worked with him do you have any interesting stories I've heard he's a really nice guy but he has a very singular vision so what was your experience working with Trevor well, Trevor Horn's probably the only producer I can quite happily play the same song all day with. Really? Yeah, he keeps it that interesting, yeah. yeah. Really? He's a bass player. So to work with another bass oh, yeah, player, he, sure. he, he really understands what I'm doing and where I'm at, and he can also make suggestions that only I would understand, if that yeah. makes sense. You know, he's looking for scales within the chords that I would understand. He's looking for me to underpin a vocal line. I mean, the bass line in, um, in the chorus of uh, Kiss from a Rose, where it goes, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's me all over. That's something I would do moving, and that's the sort of thing you pick out and go, yeah, that's amazing. Because really? it's, not just hitting the, it's not just hitting the root notes. It's, it's playing passing notes between the chords, but it's also hitting the exact meter of the vocal if that makes yeah. sense. Uh-huh. Okay. Some, something, something I'm pretty good at. I kind of picked that up from Motown Records, good. you know. Oh, nice. Good, yeah. okay. And, uh, cool. and also, I think we, we smoked a few spliffs as well, you know. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, too, yeah. We, okay, we, we, put a few, we put a few spliffs away, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, you talked about Terrence Trent Darby. You are not in the Wishing Well video. I double-checked recently. 
did you just play on the song Wishing Well, or are you on that whole album? No, I'm on um, Let's Go Forward as well. Okay. Um, I, okay. Terry asked me to play more with him, and there was a time I couldn't turn up because I was off on a bender, and he called the other guy, the um, guy from Skunk and Nancy, Cash Lewis. And okay. Cash looked more Cash looked more the part, I think, for Terry. You know, he was a black guy with locks and stuff. And he, can I say yeah. it? He was more of a of a soul bass player, whereas sure. I was a rock bass player. So I was on those two tracks, and Cash ended up being in the band. Also, you've got to remember, I was in GTR at the time, still in True. GTR. Yeah, I wondered I was, about that too. I, and I, yeah. I was sticking to GTR or the embers of GTR because we were still trying to blow on the embers and get some flames going, you know. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. I do. Okay, so, yeah. interesting. So was yeah, he, yeah. I mean, he seems like a really, Terry, as you were calling him, seems like a really interesting guy. I have been trying to get him on here and his press yeah. person, who I've been emailing with back and forth for months, finally basically emailed me this morning and said, thanks, but no thanks. I guess he just doesn't uh, want to talk. He's a private guy. He's turned in. Yeah, you know, he, he's, he's taken you know his spirituality very seriously. Uh -huh. Changed his name, and he's somebody who I think suffered from being a massive cash cow for a lot of people. And may I say, to the best of my knowledge, he got quite hurt by it. Mm. And I think he's just decided, like Prince, to take yeah. control of his own career, own his career, uh, own his recordings, yeah. and sell them appropriately for himself and for nobody else. There's a lot of people made a lot of money out of Terry, you know. He was caught up in the middle of it, and, and yeah. I think he nearly, he nearly got swallowed for, uh, by it all, and so I don't blame him for taking control of his own career. Yeah. I saw him in an airport a few years ago, and he was a sweet, nice guy, you know. Oh, good. This sounds really insensitive. I didn't know if he was a little nuts or something, but no, it sounds no, like no, he's no. just... Private and spiritual, and would like to keep it that way. That's great. Okay, yeah, good. he's really, he's a really lovely man. I can promise you that. Cool. Yeah. Okay, good. Now, do you play on Jai's Heaven album? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, did some I in New York. love that album, and <laughs> I love. I know, and I, I believe. Did you play on that? That was produced by my partner Joel from Toya, and Joel and I. In fact, Joel's tried to call me while you've been on the phone. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Don't worry. We we're, we're, okay. we're call each other. We're like ships. Like, he's, my, he's my best friend, you know. So Good. There are also other guys, if you're interested, that I could yeah. turn you on to. I would you love know. that. Um, yeah. yeah, There's. A, I have a list of people going, of, of which you were one of them, of people who, like I've said, you know, they made an impression on me at one point, and then I didn't hear yeah. anything from them afterwards. And I want to track them down and find out what their lives are like. And I Believe is one of my favorite songs ever. I still have that album. I love it. And I've never yeah. known it was not that big of a hit when it came out. And then it's no. it completely disappeared. And I've always yeah, wondered yeah. where he went because he was so good. Yeah, yeah, he was good. Yeah, yeah. The last thing I did on that was in New York. Um, I can't remember which studio it was. It was leading up to Christmas 98 because I remember how fucking cold it was up there. Shit, you know, when the sun goes down in New York and you're amongst those big buildings and then everyone yeah. calls out of the everyone calls out of the subway trying to kill you. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, yeah. they, well they, they don't really, but for, for the uninitiated... It feels it can that be way, really, sure. It yeah. can be scary, you know, so... So uh, I, I know it well, so I'm not that scared. You know, I come wow. from the street, so I can handle it. Yeah. But, uh, 
that was the last time I saw I saw Jason. I remember I think oh. I had to borrow a couple of dollars off him because I was getting this great big toasted turkey bagel and I only had five dollars and I needed two more. <laughs> that, that, that's a bit of a story. Yeah, because they were trying to not give me my cash because I went to New York clean and they wouldn't give me oh. any money. Mm. And so they wouldn't give me any money because every time I went out the door, they thought I was off up to Harlem, you know. They were just my friends trying to look after me, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, sure. it was to no avail at the time. You know, eventually they had to pay me, and I did blow the money on drugs, unfortunately. Of course, but, of course. You know, that's exactly, what, exactly, yeah. what, exactly what a drug addict does. So, you know, yeah. so uh, I'll, I'll be talking to Joel after after this conversation so cool. I can tell him that. Heaven just came up. That's incredible. Yes, I know. Well, and you know what I'm, you know, what's talking. You know what I'm thinking about is the thing that I believe song is so haunting yeah. and so beautiful, and it's re- yeah. and I'm realizing as we're talking that it's largely because of those incredible bass lines, and that's you. Yeah, yeah. I, I just am putting yeah, yeah. this together. That's blowing my mind. Yeah, Not yeah. enough people know that song and how good that is. Okay, just a couple more. I really, really, really yeah, appreciate guys. this. You played on When in Rome. I've had Clive yeah. Barrington on this show. What oh, Clive, with... have you really? Shit, oh, my yes. God. Oh, put me in touch with him, Clive. Oh, Please. I will. He, we could say, is a little overly active on Facebook, by the way. So he's very, yeah, he, uh, he's, a, he's a trip. He's a nice guy, but he's a trip. And he is on Facebook all day, every day, practically. I love the album. I love the album. Well, I do, too. Man. Oh, that, yeah. was, that was a part. That was a party album, I tell you. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, good. I love those guys. We had a good time. Yeah, they were really sweet guys. Yeah, yeah. Good. I mean, I mean what what beats me is how they didn't build on that success either. That's exactly what we talked about. Well, and I don't know if you know, but now there is a ton of animosity between Clive and he just kept referring to him as the keyboard player because oh. the keyboard player lives in the states and owns the rights to the name When in Rome, but Clive uh, spends half his time in the UK, has to have uh, When in Rome UK, and there's constant uh, legal battles, and that's what a lot of uh, his Facebook posts are about, which is like reclaiming uh, that, hey, I wrote this song, not him, and this, you know, it's a mess, total mess. Yeah, that's a shame, that's a shame. Yeah, oh, yeah. But I mean, I mean, really, you know, I mean, well, I was around when it was all tickety-boo, and they were taking off, sure. and they had the support. And then I was engaged to play the bass. Again, some of the bass was turned into synthesized lines for the album. But sure. at least they gave, they gave me my credit for, for doing my bit with the bass in the first place. And I also had a party or two with those guys, I tell you. I bet you did. I bet. <laughs> oh, that's nice. So you, yeah. do you know if your bass lives on in The Promise, that song? Matt? I think, actually, um, um, I, I, I think it is. Hold on. Let me just, I mean, I'm here too. Hold on. Hold on, the promise, hold on. When in Rome, hold on, promise. Let me just see. Oh, look at this, I've got the video. Oh, my God, everyone's so young. Shit. I know. Oh, no. <laughs> here, here, here it is, here it is. Oh, shit, it takes ages to get it going, doesn't it? Yeah, it... Um... Oh, look, look. Can you hear it? Yeah, uh-huh. Right, okay, that's the synth bass. And what happened was that they would, would I, would, I would play the bass. The same thing happened with Dubstar, actually. Do you I remember Dubstar? Yeah, that's another one I was going to ask you about. Okay, I love Dubstar. Dubstar. 
Yeah, I love that. Oh my God, Sarah. What? Oh my God, she, she. I could have a heart attack just looking at her. I mean, honestly, really? So oh, beautiful. nice. Oh yeah. my God, she's so beautiful. And and that lovely. And dubs are very very English as well. Uh -huh. You know, very. They didn't pretend with any accents or anything. Now, a lot of these guys used to get me in because they wanted. Um, proper bass, if you like. They wanted the attitude of the bass on their records. But so what they would do would they would get me to play the bass, and then they would convert it into synthesizer bass so it stayed within the realms of their sound. You know. Okay. So when you listen to Dubstar, you'll hear bass lines like if you listen to Stars, for example, by Dubstar. Uh -huh. So here's a bass line and it's done on a machine, but what they've done is they've converted my bass line onto the machine. Oh. So it kind of kind of keeps their, you know, their unique to their sound, if you like. Oh. Uh, I mean, on lots of the album tracks, the bass has been kept uh, here and there variously, but the nice thing about it was just that they always gave me my credit, you know, which is, you know. Great. So, um, yeah, they're a yeah. great band too. I love them. Th that yeah. 90s period when techno and electronic music was just starting to kind of bubble into the mainstream there was yeah, so much yeah. good stuff that's when jai you know i kind of put jai in that same category yeah, and yeah. dubstar yeah, and yeah. so much good stuff back then okay now you worked on an omd album oh what a great album universal yeah yes. now that's got that's got my bass on it that has actually got my bass on it and that's really? me okay good the actual track universal i'm picking the bass like it's the pick bass sound from the synthesizer but it's actually me playing very okay. very accurately i must say i wasn't in the best of conditions with my uh, habits at that point but you know one thing john about my habits they never restricted my playing strange Good. as it may seem because uh, the the habits were i suppose i was so used to them but ultimately i used them as an escape from my life and day-to-day things -day and lots of pain from the past and things that have happened in my life that I didn't want to confront and that's what it was all about. So yeah. music, effectively, I used that as an escape. So yeah. whatever condition I was in, up, down or inside out or whatever, I could always play. I mean, Joe Cocker stuff I'm on, there's, mm -hmm. there's some great, great Joe Cocker stuff I'm on and when I think back and think what I was taking during those sessions, it's a miracle. It's yeah. an absolute yeah. miracle. But it, it is. But, all, but all, 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 most of the bass stuff I've done is all in one take. You know, it's all, I learn the song and I do it from beginning to end. I never drop, stop, edit, compile or anything. I, I play the song in the old-fashioned way from beginning to end, you know. That's and uh, I, make, I, I make a point of doing that too, you know. Chris Thomas always said to me, you never know when you're going to get a happy accident. So, so Chris yep. Thomas, the producer, you know, yep. producer, yep. Pistols, in excess, the Pretenders, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, he doesn't live very far away from me and my partner down here, and he's probably the producer. I mean, I mean, it's it's hard to put people into categories, but I think he's the producer that mostly understood me as a musician more than anybody else. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Good. he would always say, if you can get it the first go, that's gonna, always going to be the best one. Now, are you on the whole Universal album, or are you on just the track Universal? No, no, I'm on the whole album. I'm on the way okay, and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I'm on the Very bit, close yeah. to Far Away. That's one of my favorite O and B songs. Oh, okay, really? Yeah, God, yeah. Well, you know, you know some pretty, uh, I say, some pretty culty stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, that's what I mean. I mean, I, I could ask you about Elton John and 
Mick Jagger and Ray Charles and all that stuff, but I'm kind of yeah. going for the deeper stuff that means a lot to me personally because yeah. I am like diehard about some of the you know the things that I'm asking you about. So check out a band called Flesh for Lulu. I love Flesh for Lulu. Love them. <laughs> Did you play on Flesh for Lulu? I played on the one. Are you on I Go Crazy? I'm on the one which is uh, their first album for Polydor. I'm on. Postcards from Paradise. What's their first? Their first album for Polydor for the big label. Let me find out. Let me pull it up here. Oh my gosh! I can't believe you just. It's, it's, got, like, it's got like it's got like a psychedelic looking cover with. Yep. Uh, it's all kind of a negative it, color, you know. Yes, plastic, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's the album I played on. Yeah, and I'm not credited because they didn't want a posh session player credited on their album because it was uncool. Okay, well, yeah, I was going to say, I didn't know that one. Oh, I love them. Nick died, and I am so sad because I had been meaning to, because like I said, the whole point of this is I want to find the people who I love that don't get enough credit, and he had been on my list of people to contact for this. I'm not saying he would have done it, but just before he died I was going to reach out to him and I thought I'll wait until the, the podcast had just started I thought I'll wait and let it get a little bigger and then he was gone and I've been kicking myself ever since I love yeah, them yeah yeah well I tell you what actually well, before we, we make a mistake it was Flesh for Lulu in 84 was the one I did oh really their, yeah it was their first actual album is the one I did yeah 84, Flesh for Lulu, the one that was okay. just called Flesh for Lulu, yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, li listen to that, that's a great album, oh, it's wild. Well, it's I, don't real I have different ones, I don't think I have that one. I will go back and listen to that, I love that. Yeah, 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 that's, it's, it's really performance stuff, yeah, and, we, and we, we weren't exactly training for the Olympics when we did that album either, there was a little, there were a few things happening in the studio. I bet, they <laughs> seem like party boys. Basically, oh, you God, at that time, oh. you guys probably yeah, would have yeah. had a good time. Well, the thing is, is that they were suspicious because of my background, but as soon as I, I got down and really showed them I could get down, then uh -huh. I was cool. The only thing was, again, is that I'm uncredited because, you know, they didn't want someone who was playing with my cold field sure. to see how credited on their album because it was Oh, uncool. interesting. Yeah, that's not, that's not the demographic we're going for. Oh, that's classic. Oh, that's so yeah, good yeah. to know. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved that album. I really loved the album because it was real, you know, get in the studio, get wasted, loaded, cool. everything else, and, and, like, start hitting tracks at 3 a.m. Oh, that's movie. one of the ones I don't have. Okay, I'm yeah, going to go yeah. find that one. Great. Yeah, yeah, um, find it. I recommend it highly. It's a great I album. I will. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Love it. Okay. Yeah. Two more left, I promise. Yeah. Now, you yeah, played with Heaven 17. Yeah, 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 good mates to this day. Not on one of their bigger records. No, Pleasure One. Yeah, but at least not, I, I mean, that's not one of the ones that was as big. It's not that any of them were that big in the States, but it was, was that, were they still riding high, or they kind of, were they not as popular back then? What's the story of Pleasure One? Well, they weren't, they, unfortunately, they weren't so popular, but they were still getting a lot of backing from Virgin Records, because I remember that the album was, it was kind of a first-class album, put it that way. First-class studios, first-class pay. We did again, we did a lot of passing in the studio. They became friends, like, you know, working-class friends, same as me, you know, enjoying the high life. And, you know, we were going to soccer matches 
together and all that type of stuff. And they had a really cool image, you know, that, which, uh, which, which meant you'd have actors and actresses and top-class models visiting the studio, which I oh, didn't wow. very, very much. So that was cool. And then later on, we of course, uh, Martin revitalised the BEF, the British Electric Foundation. And if you look into that, then I got the chance to play with Chaka Khan, you know, look at the BEF one, Scritti Politti, Green, oh, uh, Billy Preston came in the studio as well. Maybe Staples came to the studios and played oh. Tina Turner. Martin introduced me to Tina Turner, so I got some tracks with Tina Turner too. Oh through, my God. Uh, so the BEF second album is a very good album to look up as well because it's okay. a, a real hodgepodge of soul artists. Yeah. Tishan, this uh, New York rapper, uh, we ended up doing an album with him for, for Def Jam, actually. Wow, you're on a uh, Def Jam album? Yeah, I'm on a Def Jam album. Well, the strangest thing is is that we're, we're all like a bunch of like coke-snorting white guys in London <laughs> like, like playing, playing for Russell Simmons, you know. And uh, and that was a real anomaly at the time, you know. But um, the guy, the, the singer, singer Tayshan, he said, "No, these guys are hot. They're the real, you know." The thing is, is that Martin Ware understands soul. You know, he can eulogise about Motown and Marvin Gaye and Stax and yeah, and Curtis Mayfield. We met Curtis Mayfield a few weeks before he before he had his accident. No way, really? No, 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 no. Curtis Mayfield agreed to sing on the album. And he was going to sing Billy Holiday's "God Bless the Child That's Got His Own." Okay. Uh huh. And then, before he could get to the studio, he had his accident where the lights fell on him, and he couldn't oh, do it. Oh no way! I, I remember because we travelled specifically to Rotterdam to see him play. Met him in his hotel. Went out in Rotterdam in 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 Holland and got loaded, of course, <laughs> of course again. Of course. And then we were like really like jumping, you know, jumping dive. My God. We uh -huh. thought, Mayfield agreed. He sat down with us and agreed to do this shit, you know. Wow. And I couldn't believe it. I'm sitting in front of the guy. I mean, I bought Superfly when it came out. Sure. You know, when I was 15, you know. And then, just a few weeks later, he had that accident where the lightning Oh, wow. He was paralyzed. And then, of course, uh, he just, you know, well, I mean, eventually, obviously, I don't know when he died. I think he lasted about 10 years, I think. Yeah, he did. Yeah. That, you know. All through Heaven 17, you know. Heaven 17 are like doing the retro circuit now, and they're doing big business, really big yeah. business they're doing. I know. You know that's another, another concert I don't have to buy a ticket for. <laughs> no kidding, right? Well, and it's interesting that you mention that, because you wouldn't necessarily be a part of a band that would be a, play a Rewind Festival or anything. I mean, you've contributed to a lot of those bands, but you probably yeah. weren't in any of them long enough to actually do the tour. Right? No, no, we did um, Heaven 17. The first time they played on live, I, I did it. They did a, a, a TV show called The Tube. Uh huh, um, I remember it well, sure. Yeah, yeah, The Tube. We did that in, I think it was 87, 86, 87. And that was their first foray into playing live. That's on YouTube. Uh, cool. Heaven okay. 17 playing The Tube. Yeah, yeah, Heaven 17 playing on The Tube. And then they, they kind of, they got into live playing when... Obviously, the royalty side of the business started to go down the drain with the sure. digital revolution. And like everybody I know, we're all playing again. And so yeah. even yeah. if a lot of money's gone out of one end of the business, it means that me and all my friends, really, if you want to have a, a profile, you have to play live now. Yeah. Got to. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like 
uh, we are only doing what we started doing when we were 16. So yeah, it's no big deal. I mean, you get yeah. more aches and pains these days, but sure, it's still it's still fun nonetheless. You know. Good. Man, I okay. Can I ask you one more? I swear this is yeah, a, one more. You're bringing up all this stuff, though. It's like there's a million more I didn't even know about. But somewhere yeah. along the line, did you play with Suggs? Yeah, Suggsy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I knew Suggs before we were in the business. He was in my brother's class at school. Really? <laughs> in Camden oh, Town. Yeah. He was in my younger brother's class at school, and I saw Madness in, in front of 20 people. You know. Oh. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. killing me. I love and, them. Yeah. And, 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 the, and the weirdest thing is, or maybe not the weirdest thing, I was doing an album down in the south of Italy last August in a, in a little town, uh, Salento. I don't know if you know the geography. Salento is right on the mm, east of it. Italy. Yeah. And okay. it's, uh, you can look across the water and you can see Albania. Sugsy has a house down there. Oh, and I, I went out one evening into the town and I, I literally walked into him. <laughs> really? And like we, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're like miles away. And we, and we look at. I was sitting down with him. You know, we were sitting down, going, "Shit, how did we get here?" Yeah, no kidding. Oh you know, my god! Madness is is big, big business in this country. You know, yeah. they sold a quarter, quarter of a million tickets last. Uh, last oh time. my gosh! Yeah. Oh, yeah. it kills yeah, me that big. they don't ever come to the states. I yeah, and, the and you know. They, they even produced their own beer for the for the concert. Yes, I've heard that. Yes. <laughs> Madness beer. Uh, now I played on Suggsy's solo album The Lone Ranger. 90, yeah, ninety four, ninety five. Yeah. I yep. played and strangely enough I played on the track called Alcohol. And, oh really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I play I played on Alcohol. And okay. uh, I I remember going into the going to the studio with this well, Suggsy remembers it. He never forgets it. He says, I never remember it. He says, ne I've never seen a lump of coke that big in my life. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> now, now, e e edit this how you want to edit it. I don't sure. know what you want to say, but... but, but I don't uh, care. I'll get to any private. He says, yeah, 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 yeah. Because at that time, I mean, I was deeply ensconced in heroin addiction by that point. You know, sadly... You were? I, oh, too I, bad. I, I, I thought I could handle it, but yeah. I think everyone can second handled heroin. But they find out they found well, they, they find out to the opposite in the long run. So the heroin and the coke kind of went together, mm -hmm. and uh, and I, I ultimately by this point, the nineties, I was turning up at studios carrying. Well, most of the time I was carrying both of these drugs. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the fact I never made it to jail is a miracle. Absolutely, my God. You know, but again, you know, I say I won't make any excuses for it and I won't endorse it, but it still didn't stop me playing. I still played my sure. ass off, you know. Well, it's a part um, of your life. I mean, look at us. We're, we're tell, you're getting to tell these stories, not that you don't tell them a lot, but drugs are a part of those, but they're not a part of your life yeah. now. And, and no, you've got, no. you, that part's over with, and you have great yeah. memories with yeah. or without the drugs, and your life's okay now. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean yeah, you're, making, yeah. you're making amends for all those things. It's... I'm a 12-stepper, yeah, I'm a 12-stepper, and, and I'm going to make more of an effort to start getting it on paper this year, because I've got some offers to write a, a sort of, um, well, I've got offers to write my autobiography, but it's more, you know, everyone can write a salacious biography, that's easy, but my story into recovery and the wider 
sort of ramifications of what addiction can do to you. But not only that, how you can come out of the end and have a really, really good life is very, very sure. important. Totally. If you do get the opportunity, you know, look up Hepsi Positive or look up the charity I work for, Liver for Life. You could even give us okay. a shout if you want sure. to occasionally Absolutely. on your on, on your site. Thank you so much, Phil. This was so much yeah. fun. You really, I yeah. mean, the 13-year-old me is freaking out right now that I'm getting to talk to that guy <laughs> who looked well, so cool in the GTR yeah. video. 